Angie was always like the big basketball star. She was always the point guard and starter of every game. Yeah. And she did competition and stuff. I want you guys to know that I mean, this girl was so naive. We called her Kelly Bundy because, I mean, she was that much of an airhead. <laughs> and um, our other daughter wasn't. And so, anyway, at the age of 20, she really wanted to leave her virginity for the guy she was going to marry, you know? Mm-hmm. And I said, try to wait till you're 18 at least, you know? You don't have to go so far as 30, you know, like you're saying. And anyway, on Christmas Eve, when she was 20, a guy she went to school with roofied her but didn't know it. Mm-hmm. She was on her way here. She was dropping off a Christmas card. And so when she went to his house, it was just him and her, and she loves Sunny Delight. And he kept saying, can I get you a drink? She goes, no. He goes, how about a little Sunny Delight? She goes, sure, you know, but I got to go. Mm-hmm. And he had another friend come over, and they both raped her and t- taped it. Jesus. And so at that po- from that point on, she didn't tell anybody. She didn't go to the med- she didn't go to the emergency room because it's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And she waited about six months, and then she told us. And I kind of posed what kind of questions would be coming to her. You know, she went to court that we would back her 100%. Yeah. And she she couldn't handle that type of questioning. So she was very modest. She was always modest before the rape. She had a good figure, but she always chose to wear, she would wear a V-neck T-shirt, you know, yeah. or stuff like that, you know. Or like she lived in Hawaii for a year. One day, I finally made her take off her shirt and take a selfie in her bikini, but she had to have boy shorts on. You know, so she was always modest. Mm -hmm. And so after she was raised, she turned to drugs. But she was living out of the house, so we weren't aware of that. She was living in another one of of our other houses. Mm -hmm. And so that's how she met Don. He was her drug dealer. And... So that's where it all started. And she she was, um, I got, we tried to get her a bunch of help. And she just couldn't get off of any everything. And, I mean, she was doing everything at this point. And she lived with Don. We didn't like him. He was much older. And she said, Mommy's not a boyfriend. And she would always tell me whether you wanted to know good or bad. And I said, well, thank God for that. But you need to get off the drugs and you can come back home. She got off the drugs. She came back home. And he came. we didn't know nothing about his past. She said he had been in prison in New York for drugs. And I truly believe that's what she believed. And I believe that because I didn't think about searching him. Like I search other people in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was very, so she ended up going back to him because he said he would kill all three of us. And I said, he's not going to get, he may get in that door, but he's not going out of it. So don't worry about it. And then one time 
we were, we were leaving, me and her both. I drove her somewhere, and there was these things sticking up out in the yard. And we, we heard his car kept going by that night before. This was like two years before she died. Anyway, there was knives stuck in our front yard all over the place. And then a few days later, he kept calling her, and then she left. And then she got into drugs again with them. And then, so, moving it fast forward, um, whenever she didn't have a car, we took away her car, and we sold it. And I no longer paid for our cell phone bill. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how bad he was. And I didn't know he was a felon, convicted felon for murder. And I have since learned that Angie's the fifth person to die in his presence. Wow. And so, had I known, she might have been still living here today. She wouldn't have been there. How much older, yeah, I know you said he was older, because I saw in the one article I read that he had one in 1979. Yeah, uh, right before it aired on uh, News Channel, they did a 12-and-a-half-minute segment. Mm-hmm. Um, right before it was supposed to air, all his felonies disappeared. And Emily, the news anchor, the reporter, she said, Jackie, I can't find a felony now on him for nothing. And so I'm searching. I can't find nothing. And so we had to wait on the story, and she finally got a hold of somebody in the archives department in New York and found that one. But all the rest of the stuff that he's done is, has been totally right off the computer. So with that being like said in 79, because so she was, what, 20, 28? Yeah. yeah, she was 28 when she died, two days before she died, she turned 28. And he was born in 1950. Okay, so he had quite a bit of baby daughter then. Yeah. Okay. So he loved it that this ugly, gross guy could have this girl. Yeah, a girl pretty much half his age, close to it, and I think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, and so going from there, she, um, the last six, seven months of her life, she kept asking to come back home, and she said she was clean, and she did get a job, and she was having to do a pee test every week because they knew she was open about her being a previous drug addict, and so it was to, it was to do home health care, so she could get Terry to take care of him because he was elderly and on Social Security. And then she was looking for a couple more people because she, that's what she always wanted to be a nurse. And so she was wanting to find a couple more people so she could be making more money. Mm -hmm. And so that's why she stayed there. And he gave her a car. I didn't know until she died that he put a lien on it. So I wasn't aware that she couldn't come and go as she cleaned. Mm-hmm. 
And when she got this job, after about a month, she finally got her own cell phone. And before she was in a relationship with this guy named Nick, who had custody, who had custody of his son. And he would call her mama because he was so little. And she loved this boy, and they lived in our other house. And he he's the one that broke it to me that she was still doing drugs. And they... They've been together for a few years. He said that he's never seen Angie naked in his life. Mm. He said that they had sex maybe ten times in three years. He goes, because it mentally messed her up, you know, with the rape. Yeah. And she would always wear this necklace. Every year I got him something from Tiffany's, and she would always wear the same piece necklace from Tiffany's. It's in the last eight years of photographs. Never took it off, even when she lived on the beach in Hawaii. Never would take that thing off. And when she was found, that wasn't even on her. And so the night before she died, she my husband went over there on her birthday and gave her a card. She had been sick. And she got put on an antibiotic and some codeine cough syrup. And my husband took her over there, and she said she needed some shower gel and stuff. And he goes, well, let's go. And he gave her money with a card. And she got shower gel. She got a Joel Olstein magazine that he was on the cover of, or one of his magazines, I don't know. But um, she did that. And then the next day, she was out playing basketball with neighborhood kids, teaching, trying to teach them some layups and stuff. So my husband saw her. These neighbors seen her. She didn't have her ankle was fine. Nothing was wrong with her forearm. None of that. The she called me the night before at ten o'clock at night, and I had taken my Ambien. And my husband was asleep. And she would call, they would call for quite frequently and say, um, they were fighting, you know, please come get me. We did come get her one night and he had a gun at us. But I didn't see the gun. So Angie said, he's got the gun, mom, get out of here. And I thought, okay, maybe she's being, she didn't have good vision, something. And, you know, we're not in the best part of independence, but, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what she saw. And so she called me the night before, and I promise you I'm getting there. You're getting there. We're just, I need some you guys to understand this part. Oh, she called, okay, she called the night before at 10 o'clock at night, and she was yelling and screaming, and she was like, she never said the F word in front of me, but this night she was like, Mom, you've got to get me the fuck out of here. And I said, Angie, I can't drive. And I said, Dad's asleep. She goes, Mom, you don't understand. I've got to get out of here. And at this point in time, you know, you guys being on the coast, it takes a while for stuff to get here to the Midwest. 
you know. So we didn't have an Uber around here. We had Ubers downtown Kansas City, but none around here. Because I even thought about sending an Uber or a taxi, but taxis are mainly gone because of Uber drivers and Lyft and all that now. And I thought, you know, it's just another fight. Tomorrow she'll call me and be like, act like nothing happened. But she would never talk to me honestly because she used to always have to use his phone. And she only was allowed to come over here a few times. And I didn't know that until the last time she came over. Every time she came over, I had to take a picture of her to prove where she was at. And I thought, this is getting insane. So when she called needing help, I believed it. But I thought, we'll get over it. And one another occasion, she had called me and said, Mom, I love you. Take care of Snickers. Snickers is her dog that she rescued. And she loved this dog more than mine. And um, she always just wanted me to be proud and happy of her. And so four or five times prior to this, she had called me and said, Mom, I love you. Please take care of Snickers. And she sounded stressed. She did OD a couple times. She was not trying to take her own life. And then two other times, I made her him take her, I made Don take her to the hospital. Because he said she was foaming at the mouth. She won't even fucking talk to me. You know, just getting really belligerent with me. Mm-hmm. And I said, don't call. You don't hear the words. Take one one. I'm going to. He goes, you call 911. We're going to go death by suicide by cop. And I'm thinking, yeah, this guy's way out here. So now my daughter's sober. She worked for six, seven months sober. And that night, went into the next morning, she told me, she, I said, I'll come get you tomorrow morning. She called at 8 a.m. She never called that early. Mm-hmm. I missed the phone because I was in the bathroom. She called her grandma, said the same thing. I love you. Please take care of Snickers. So Tim's mom called Tim and said, I think something's going on. But sometimes his mom overreacts. But we all had a bad feeling about this one because she finally had her own phone, so I was able to call her back. And it went to voicemail. So I knew it was off. And so I tried texting her, you know, and she never would answer. So... My husband called the Independence Police, which I'm I'm sure you're familiar with now. Mm-hmm. And um, he asked for a welfare check on her. And the one guy said, she, the one dispatcher said, well, she's 28 years old. She needs to own her life. You know, she needs to own it and deal with her own life, not rely on you guys or us. And that just pissed my husband off. And they said they would call us within three hours to let us know if everything was okay. 
Well, then my husband was worried that guy didn't send it out. So he called them back like 30 minutes later, and they hadn't sent anybody out. So this time they did send somebody out. And from the time of that phone call to the time they got into the house was 13 minutes. They called it a suicide. So whether they was parked across the street or two miles away, They they ruled it in 13 minutes. It was a suicide. I have yet to talk to a detective on my case. Mm-hmm. I've never spoke to one. And so they send police to my house and notified me that Angie was deceased. And I said, what hospital she at? Because I thought, well, maybe she overdosed, you know. Mm-hmm. And they said, she's not at a hospital. She's at the morgue. I said, what happened? He said, she shot herself in the head. I said, no, she didn't. She's scared to death of guns. Because me and my husband shoot. Mm-hmm. And if my husband was cleaning his gun, she would make him put it away. I mean, like over dramatic. And she wasn't a drama girl. So, anyway, this is how it all started. We find out, she said, she's at the morgue. We asked for a full autopsy and a rape kit to be done. And Don, he was having a panic attack. So, he got rushed by ambulance. They, he said he overdosed, but it turned out he didn't overdose. That's just what he told us. Um, so he was in the hospital. So they couldn't check his hand for gunpowder residue. Mm-hmm. And then from that point on, it's just been hell ever since. I did meet with Don probably on 10 different occasions. I asked the officer, he's a felon, he had a gun, I've got another gun of his that I was able to pick up right there in the living room. This place was 450 square foot. That's not very big. Probably the size of your living room, if even that. And I said, how was I able to get a gun and a bunch of cell phones? And I said, get him on gun charges. And he he told me, we're the mess capital of the world. we got bigger problems. <laughs> and right then, I knew I was in for some problems. So we had them call the medical examiners the next day and just said, okay, what do we do from here? And he told him, you guys need to be finding a funeral home fast. So we're like, geez, you know, we just found out about this, you know, but we go find a funeral home, and we got her. And as soon as the funeral home called to let me know they had received her, I asked if I could come see her. And when I went to see her, everybody advised me not to do that. And so I kind of snuck behind everybody's back. I went, and I took pictures of her. 
I felt through her hair because they said that they had got the shell casing, the ballistic, you know, part of it. You know, they've got the bullet out of her head. I was feeling all around her head. And it was, and the guy was saying, be careful. I haven't cleaned her up. She's all bloody. I said, I don't care. You know, I just wanted to feel for staples or whatever. And so the next day was visitation. So they obviously didn't get the bullet out of her head, but oh well. And um, I took a picture of her. And so when I found out she was shot dead, square on, right? in between the eyes, up an inch, with the gun pressed to her forehead. And we did that, and we went to visitation. We get the visitation. Right before we get to visitation, the medicine calls the medical examiner, asking how long it's going to take to get the rape kit done and all this. And, um... They said they didn't do it. They didn't do any of it. Why? All they did, all they did was take pictures. She was found naked. Because we were like, do we need to come pick up her clothes? And they're like, no, she was found naked. I'm like, there's no way she would have been naked. I don't care who you are. I don't think even Paris Hilton would want to be found naked, you know? Yeah, yeah, you would think that, uh, you know, they would have done a rape kit with her being found naked. Yeah, I would think I'd be a part of Yeah, you would think. And, and, and I, and I was just, I didn't know, we'd never been through this, so I assumed we would be getting a bill. So I want the whole bill. You know, I want to know the last time she ate. I want to know everything. Mm-hmm. And, Anyway, after a few weeks, uh, we buried her. I was hesitant because I wanted to get that rape kit, but then I was told it was too late, you know, by that time to even get checked for semen. And so we went ahead and buried her. And I waited and waited. And one day, I kept calling the police department and just checking on the state of the case, you know, the case. Since none of the detectives were calling me or my husband. Um, they said it was still closed, and I couldn't get anything until then. And so I waited two months, and then I finally, based the medical examiner's office, I called them, and they said their reports were ready, but they couldn't get independence to sign off on them. So I ended up making five, six trips down there. The last time I went, I finally said I'm not leaving until I have it. And so I had to hurry up and get on a computer. My husband's only seen one picture. Um, it broke him. He was making 350000 a year. Up and quit his job. And was going to kill us, kill himself. And um, I decided I'm going to check out all these photos. And then that's when I found a ballistics expert. 
John Caton, who's here in Missouri. And we're very lucky to have him. He's got a resume second to none. I've never seen anything like it, honestly. And then he hooked up, hooked us up with a private investigator. And when we told him what all had happened and she had been, you know, with drugs and, you know, and Don keeps calling me through all this, and I can't believe she's gone. And I said, Don, was she doing drugs? He goes, she was shooting up heroin. She was shooting up meth. She was taking pills. And I'm thinking, she, did, she didn't sound like that on the phone the night before, but I wasn't there. So I'm thinking, well, maybe, hopefully, she didn't feel it. You know, one time, the only one time in my life I wish one of my kids was just annihilated, drunk, or whatever. And anyway... I got the toxicology report. It came back clean. There is a little bit of codeine in her system, but she had taken that cough syrup and an antibiotic and another pill called a diplucan, diplucan, you know, for yeast infections. So that's all that was in her system. And... When we went into that house the day that she was murdered, I believe she probably passed the night before knowing I was going to come get her. When we got there, nothing of hers was in that duplex. Not the shower gel that my husband just bought her, nothing. She wrote daily. She wrote poetry. No notebook. Nothing. No chief shirt. She was a chief fanatic. None of them. All her jerseys were gone. No jeans. All her dress pants, dress clothes. There was nothing to bury her in. There was not a pair of underwear. I did have to find a lady that somehow got in there while we were there. And I fought her for Angie's purse. And I'm, I, at that point, I wasn't a very mean person, but I did say, I'm going to lay you out if you don't give it to me. She quickly gave it to me. And I got a bra and a purse. That's all I own of my daughter. Um, Her baby book, everything's gone. What, like, what was the lady? Was she just a friend of Dawn? She was a, yeah, a neighbor. And, like, did he just, like, give over, like, basically just... Throw all her stuff out or just give it to random people? I think he threw her stuff out, and I think he was going to get rid of her next, to be quite honest. Um, you know, we've called the police around 9 a.m., and at 9.47, a neighbor who turns out to be a really good guy, him and his wife, they heard the gunshot. But they thought maybe somebody was shooting a squirrel or something. Mm -hmm. So they knew what time the gunshot went off. The police never talked to them or anybody else. Like I said, that 13 minutes from the time Tim called them and talked about the situation, told them the address, sent a cop vehicle there, 
and get there. And in the report, I've only had five pages of the report, but I went back in October and it said five and nine, but I didn't get the last sheet. So I went back yesterday, actually. Now I've got the full report that they told me did not exist. And anyway, so that's a whole nother story now. But anyway, he he kept calling me and kept calling me through this. I'd go visit with him, and I taped it off. He said he believed Angie was murdered. And I said, well, Don, if it was only you and him, her, who would have done it? I don't know. I said, I just took a guess on what short she was wearing that night because she always wore gym shorts to bed. He goes, I threw them out. And he kept changing his story over and over. But then he set fire to the duplex two nights later. And he admitted to the neighbors he did it, and other neighbors saw him. And then he took off. And then, so then he didn't have no place to live. So the police, which I've never known police in in our area, to help homeless people. But they got him into a skilled nursing facility. He could leave for the whole day if he wanted to. He still had thousands and thousands of dollars every time I would go. He would show me how much money he was still making. I said, are you selling in here? He goes, yeah, I got to have money. Because they take all my Medicare or Social Security. And so I kept going and visiting him. But I don't have anything of Angie's. <laughs> but I will tell you that um, I told, I asked the police, I said, I've got this, I, I, I need to get the gun. I was told I have to go to gun court. Nobody knew what gun court was. Still to this day, nobody knows what gun court is. And they're still trying to push that on me. Um, I did, I did go to meetings for like parents that had lost a child. And, um, we shared the same detective. And so we had some stuff in common. And I said, I sat here through Kansas City police and all these other speakers, when are you going to get me independent? Well, that happened in November. The guy, John Fine, he's their information officer. It was him and a detective. And this detective, I worked with a lot of moms. And that's how I met Cindy. I really try to help them in any way I can or just be there for support. Um, these guys finally agreed to come to the meeting. And when I spoke of Angie, all he did was laugh at me and keep smiling about her and said that I was crazy. I take that whole thing, too. So, but this is the list of what happened. When I got all the pictures and put them together and got with radiologists, she was a black belt in karate. 
Um, so I'm hoping with her broken ankle, she got a good kick in at least. But she had a broken ankle. Her nose was broke, which caused her eyes to blacken. This was all pre-death. Um, the wrong glasses were put on her. She was found naked. Her necklace was gone. She had bruises on both forearms, like somebody had held her down. Um, blood went up and over the bullet injury. And when my husband touched the arm of the love seat, she was found sitting in the middle of the love seat. It was just a 22, you know. Mm -hmm. So he touched the arm, and he I remember his hand to this day being so bloody, and he wiped it down his jeans. And I'm thinking, how did blood get over there when she died in the center? And the shell casing was found way behind her instead of to her right or up front. You know how they fly back at you all the time. Some, sometimes you have to duck on a couple of them. So we had that, and then she had a split lip, and all her bottom teeth were out of a line. Two of them uprooted out of her gum. And police, within 13 minutes, called it suicide. And I have still yet to talk to a detective, a sergeant, or anybody like that. They did call me because when we kept saying we wanted the gun, they said, well, we can't have the gun. We need to do additional testing. They said it'll take a year. And my ballistics guy said it don't take a year. It takes two weeks. But it took them a year for whatever reason, and we both got a phone call, me and Tim, saying that Angie's DNA was the only one on that gun. I asked for that ballistics report. They said they don't have it, but they accidentally gave it to me yesterday. And there's actually three people's DNA on that gun, but they excluded Donnie Greer. So our thoughts have been that he's an informant because of all the money he had. Mm -hmm. And he was known to be a dealer. He's a convicted felon and murder. And you guys aren't getting him for having a gun in the house? Yeah, he's working with somebody. Right. And so anyway, I went to the medical examiner's. And anyway, both of, both agencies point the fingers at each other. And one of Don's cousins, who hates his side of the family, she called me right away after the news story. And she said that um, Don was just, you know, she, you know, she told me more about all these other deaths and stuff. And she went on to say, I mean, it slipped my mind what I was going to say, but um, anyway, he was just a bad apple, you know, and that he, 
you know, he had been in and out of several prisons. And he told me he knew he could go to prison five years for each gun, one year for each bullet. And what does he do? He gives my husband a big trash sack. And like he goes, wait, don't open it till you get home. Tim pulled over the side of the road, and it was all kinds of ammunition. He called the police department, do you need this? They're like, no, you can use it or just give it away, you know. Yeah, yeah, this is what we're dealing with. And anyway, so we've got nowhere with them at all. And they are hell-bent on saying it was suicide. No ifs, no ands or buts about it. Did they test her hands for gun residue? They put her hands in mitts, but the prosecutor, he came to one of those meetings, and he said, oh, we don't test them. It costs too much money. But they had her hands in bags, you know, mitts on them. Mm -hmm. And I found out later it cost $25. Yeah, that's not that much at all. They didn't test, they didn't do GPR testing on guns, Dawn, either. Huh, that's, I got, like, I know, that's one thing I couldn't get over, too, where, like, you know, where he claimed he didn't hear the gunshot and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, if the neighbor heard it, then, you, you know, like we said, it's... You're not going to be in, like, 400 square foot and not hear. Yeah, a gunshot, like... I don't know, it sounds, like, do you think with all the, with, like, her broken nose and stuff, do you think he actually beat her up and then just staged? Yes. Yes, I do. I think he beat the hell out of her because he had a club there. Mm -hmm. And he had a calendar, and he put a push pin on that date. Just real eerie stuff like that around the house. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, that's what it felt like to me. And um, I just I just know that, you know, so many of us parents, we didn't get the autopsies. You know, Cindy was lucky that she knew somebody. You know, I can name off 10 to 15 other moms I, I speak with every week on this. That similar situations, IPD being the worst, and there are no internal affairs for Independence, Missouri. In fact, when I went there yesterday, I said, can somebody please just tell me if where your internal affairs are? And she says, you have to file a police report. You have to file a complaint with us. I said, so nobody's policing the police. My husband has a 2018 Corvette Z06. The mayor would not return our calls. She slammed the door in Emily's face, and Emily did not show up with cameras. My husband decided to drive to her house because he was on his within. Her husband, and I know he's not a mayor, all he cared about was that same car, 
and he wanted to sit in it and take a picture. Wow. Um, when the prosecutor, I asked him about getting the gun, he said he had never heard a gun court either. Everybody but the police tell me about gun court, but they can't tell me how I get on that docket. Yeah, it makes me wonder how, like, any of them got a job there. I know, because I've actually got an email from both courts saying there is no such thing as gun court. So I think with them being informants, they're patting each other's pockets. I think a lot of drugs are going through there. Um... People are literally getting by with murder. That sounds like, like um, you said you talked to other moms, like all of them for, like around the independence, like that's who the same department they have to go through or the majority. <laughs> yes, yes, all but two other ones. Is this like all like within like a few years or a long period of time? Or? Yeah, um, well, the first one happened, and, like, 15 years ago, and I only know that because that's a family friend. But, um, yes, it, it was going on eight years ago. I did the news report. I said, I'm not going to stop until I don't want another parent going through this. It's about to stop, and I'll be darned if they still aren't right in suicide to this day. In December, they marked another one suicide also. Yeah, it's like they just kind of like, that's just more of the, like, the easy way out instead of actually doing, you know, investigating work. Yeah, they don't want to do their job. And so there's going to be another report I did on Angie's birthday with a with a news channel that'll be airing the first couple weeks, one of the weeks, one of the first two weeks of February, and then I got another one coming up. I got to find out when that's going to be, and then I did some I did radio show once, and so that got people um, into it and brought me more parents. I always get more parents. It seems like after that, and that's what I want, because us together as a group is a much wilder boy. Mm-hmm. But these police, it don't matter who who has what detective, I cannot find the common denon- denominator in any of this. I mean, they're, they're just saying left and right. But just two weeks ago, I was told about this today by another mom. Two weeks ago, a girl was suicidal. Her friends knew it. She decided to jump off of a bridge in Independence. Independence handled the case. They ruled that one an accidental death. So a person that was committing suicide, she gets accidental death. All these other kids 
they're getting suicide. And it's a medical examiner's office doing it, too. You take a note. If you see something wrong, none of these markings, her broken nose or ankle, um, none of that stuff was mentioned in the medical examiner report whatsoever. Only the bullet hole. Hmm. Now, Olivia wondered, like, are they, you said they're all similar, so are they all, like, drug-related, that they're the ones that they're labeling the suicide? Uh, it seems like that might be some of it, but others aren't, you know, so I don't know. Because, like, with Dawn working with them and, like, being an informant, I was just wondering if it maybe was, like, other drug dealers that are informants or something, like, they're covering for. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but I point blank, I asked the Kansas City, the head of homicide of Kansas City, um, in one of these meetings, I said, how far will you let an informant go? And of course, they're not. You know, I'm not. I'm not stupid. You know, but I wanted to at least hear the answer. I said, like, can they get by with murder? He is absolutely not. Now, Kansas City don't call a lot of them suicides. There's a lot of homicides. We, I think, we're voted number one in the United States for homicides in Kansas City. I live in the suburbs, so I don't live in Independence, thank God. But there's no excuse for this. And I marched in there yesterday, and they lost a sergeant due to a vehicle accident. And I said, I want to report. And they're like, well, you need to bear with me because we just lost one of our own last week, and I said, I truly feel sorry for his family. I said, but you times that by a thousand. That's what's going on in our parents, you know, in our heads, and all these parents that are having to deal with you guys writing suicides, knowing that they're not, and we've been told that we're parents in denial. I've also been warned, and so was Emily the news reporter, about retaliation. And when I brought that up in the meeting with the police, that was at that meeting, they never once said, we don't retaliate or that's stupid. They sat there and smiled. In fact, I had an officer's girlfriend um, message me a couple months ago and she goes, I finally got the hell away from an officer. She goes, they are very dangerous. They have too much power. Yeah, because nobody's watching over them, and the mayor could care less. So I just don't know where to go from here. I mean, I've tried, I've tried reaching out to attorneys. You know, and I've got a couple friends that are on my Facebook I went to school with that are attorneys, and they said they can't touch it. They'll never be able to do work, you know, get deals for people. And I get that. But at some point, this has got to stop. 
no other family should ever have to go through this. Yeah, because this is going to basically repeat itself until, you know, like you said, until something's done about it. Yeah, so, you know, I already feel like I got crosshairs on my back, you know. Nothing, nothing they could do. You know, if they want to shoot me, shoot me, you know. I want to be with my baby. I mean, I've still got another daughter and I've got a grandson. Don't get me wrong, I'm not ready to die, but, you know. They can't hurt me, you know, anymore. So, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like and just stop doing what I'm doing. Because a lot of good is how a lot of these moms, just by listening to them. So, I guess that's what my goal is, is to really help these moms and get stuff changed. It's got to stop. Could you go to state police, maybe? Like, I don't know if that would be higher up enough. Um, I have tried the sheriff's department to no availability with that. And I called Missouri Highway Patrol. She said she would help do whatever she could, but all she could get me was my full um, report. I said... And after I talked to her yesterday, I finally said, screw it, I'm just going to go by myself. And they said they had to holler for, oh, and it also, it says in the report that they, it took a long time for Don to answer the door. And then when they did, they said they was there to see Angie. He goes, she's right there on the couch. And he went to look, and he said, what the fuck happened? That was his exact word. So for a police officer or a detective to call suicide in 13 minutes before coroners even seen him, the body, you know, that has to change. Because I was under the pretense that if you're, if you're a female, and you're found naked, they automatically would do a rape kit. Yeah, yeah, you'd think so. And especially with a guy in the house, wouldn't he be a suspect? Yeah, you, yeah, you'd I mean, if you, if you shot Olivia, your, your butt would probably go to jail. Yeah, he would be the first suspect. That's how it's supposed to be. Your spouse is supposed to be the first. Yeah. I would be like, check my hands. I don't want nobody to think I did anything. Yeah. But he didn't have to do none of that because they didn't question him. And now my report has changed, although it's been closed since August 23rd of 2017. Now in the police report, everything that I said in that meeting is in here like they found it. They found the bruises on Angie. Um, it's all changed. It's ridiculous. Yeah, um, I, so, the one article, I think it was the news, um, that Donald, well, did Don actually die? Um, we couldn't, we can't find a death certificate on him. So you were just told that he did, but you don't. You're right. Haven't confirmed if he has or not. 
No, I haven't confirmed anything. Tim, my husband did go up to the funeral home where they said, where the, one of his relatives, that one relative told me where his body had been. So my husband decided to drive up there. Well, I didn't know that's where he was going or I would have went too. But they talked for about an hour and he said, yeah, he remembers them. Now, remind you, he's coming from a skilled nursing facility, okay? That's where he died, supposedly. That's, well, that is that is where they got him, from that skilled nursing facility, if this is the truth. But nobody would sign, none of his family would sign the death certificate because they did not want to have to pay for it. And the funeral home didn't have enough information for the death certificate. Hmm. It would have been in a chart. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if he's dead, if he's alive and changed the name. I don't know. So he could be like basically hidden and Right. I don't know. I don't put nothing past them anymore. This story and I'm sure I'm leaving a lot of it out by accident, but this story, even the news reporter that called me today, she goes, Jackie, I'm writing this up, and I just feel like I'm writing a um, fiction book. And she goes, but it's in black and white. It's all true. She goes, this is the craziest thing. Yeah, there's a lot of things out there that kind of blows your mind because you're like, well, how did they miss this? Um, one question I have with the other murders that you said, like mm -hmm. similar that that you can remember, like that involved like a young girl or anything. Um, well, you know, Cindy, of course, that was Libby. Um, another young girl that was shot in the face, and then drove herself all over the place. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, half of her face is blown off. But she drove herself. Was this like, was she, like, like we were talking about earlier, like, with them being similar, it's like, it does, it kind of like go with, like, are they with somebody that, you know, possibly a drug dealer? Or yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. And then I have another friend who was her son and his fiance was on the crotch rocket. They were taking around the block one last time because a guy was getting ready to meet him there to buy it and then they was going to buy a car. And so they took it out for one last round of block and a drunk driver killed the girlfriend instantly. The other guy, he had 12 different surgeries, amputee, ended up at Madonna Hospital in Nebraska for three months. And then they could, his mom was from Arizona, so she had to go back to Arizona. So they're like, now's your window. He's doing great. He's going to be going home. Well, they took him off the ventilator, and they weren't supposed to. And she didn't find out about this until just last year. That happened in 2017. She's never spoke with an independent detective either. And that guy 
Um, she did get the tape of the accident, you know, the dash cam. Mm-hmm. And at the very beginning of the dash cam, he goes, oh, my God, I know that guy, the guy, the drunk driver. He drug that crotch rocket 150 yards, wondering why his car wouldn't go. Had a little son in the back seat. Him and his girlfriend were plastered. They got by with it. They didn't get no ticket, nothing. Um, then you've got a guy who, who shot himself with the wrong hand. And they took the wrong hand for AMG, too. Um, but this other guy, it was, it had nothing to do with drugs. And he shot himself in his car with a rifle, but there's no blood in his car. Like, how would you, how would that even happen? Like, I don't know. Do you think if they were going to try to do this stuff and pull stuff over on people that they would try to do a little better job at it, but they just, like, blatantly don't care? Right. It's like a big middle finger to you. Like, F you, we don't have to listen to nobody. Yeah, that definitely sounds like that. Yeah, they all need to be, like, shut down and all fired and just rehire people, retrain. That's what I told him yesterday. I was like, because the police chief, our police chief is in trouble for sexual harassment. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, Chief Halsey, he's in trouble for sexual harassment. And... So, I, I don't know, maybe a year after Angie's case aired, Emily, every day was texting me when I was getting my hair done. I looked to see what it was. And so, at 10 o'clock that night, I thought, okay, I'll just turn on the news because we don't watch TV since this happened. You know, because it's all bad crap all the time. Anyway, I turned it on. Well, they intertwined my daughter's story with his. So I reached out to the lawyer that's suing that, the chief. And anyway, there's a lot of information that's going to come out of that. And so I asked yesterday just to be honoring. I said, by the way, does Chief Holly still work here? I said, yes, he sure does. Mm-hmm. And I said, why? They're like, he did nothing wrong. I thought, well, you find out about that later. But that's not going to be a closed hearing. Nobody, it's not open to media or public at all. Yeah, it's just amazing how stuff like that, like, they're saying, saying he did nothing wrong. I like, I know you got to be proven guilty, but it's still, like, Oh, there's a lot of evidence against them. But I will say that um, these these police, something does have to come in that's better. And I do believe they will start crumbling down because I'm not going to stop. This has got to be the year of change. Something's got to give and some laws need to be made. Mm And especially with the ME's office, you know, it needs to start there. I feel like they've got as much blood on their hands, the police and them, 
as Don did. Oh, definitely. You know, and to keep calling it a suicide, I just, I just can't get how a coroner can look at this girl and see all these marks on her and broken bones and not even lift them at all. You would think of, like, like even just with a broken ankle, like, if she, you know, did kill herself with a gunshot to the forehead, like, why would she have a broken ankle over that if she sat on the couch? Like, yeah, she beat, she got undressed, beat the hell out of herself, and then shot herself while she was at it, and then put glasses on her after she was shot, because there's only a smidge of blood on one of the nose pieces. Put the glasses on after she shot herself. Glasses that an old grandma would wear. Yeah, I saw that you posted a picture of her and another pair of glasses that was actually hers. Yeah. Because I keep telling them everybody. And I said, those aren't her glasses. Those aren't her glasses. And like a couple months after I got the image report, I went back down there and I said, I need her glasses, thinking at least that's something that was on her that I can have, you know. And they accidentally got lost. Yeah, that's probably on purpose. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, this this is happening so much. We really do need a lot of help. You can go on YouTube. And just for a guy that goes around the bad police department, he has um, for a police report to file a complaint. He ends up getting his head bashed in. That's on YouTube. That happened in Independence. They also tased the guy, and he was dead for eight and a half minutes, and the police officer was kicking him. And roll over. Well, he was dead. Yeah, I don't think somebody's going to cooperate if they're dead. Right? You know? So, there's a problem, and I'm hoping that they've gotten by with it too long now that something will give. Yeah, something starts leaking and it all pours out and they get in trouble with everything they've yeah. put underneath the rug. Exactly. Do you see a lot of police corruption? Yeah. Yeah, with talking to you and Cindy and stuff, it's like, like it's had us baffled. Like we, like cops around here, like like we've covered, well, especially the Hickman case, we revisited and covered. Like you kind of wonder on that case, and there's some other ones that kind of you're just kind of like, well, like what did they, how did they assume this? Why did they do this wrong and stuff like that? It's crazy because it happens a lot of places though, which is surprising. Well, like in our area, like there's a lot of dirty cops and like involved, like how your guys' things seem like with drugs and everything. Like there is a bunch of backwards, dirty stuff being done, but I don't think that anyone around here could get away with covering up a murder like that. Not several, maybe you know here and there, but like I don't think like. In our area, it's definitely not as bad as what independence sounds like. Right. 
Like well, I know I know there's good cops and bad cops. I hate to say I hate IPD, but I don't care for the upper management. You know, detectives on up. Yeah. They haven't done one thing for me. And to tell me that Angie's DNA was the only one on the gun. And then I didn't know I had that report in this new report. I talked to another guy at a window. He goes, we don't have that report, so there's nothing to give you. Then I came home, and I thought, I've got it. And it says there's three people's DNA on here, but it excluded Don. But Don admitted to handling the gun. He had a friend buy it for She'd never been in trouble. She could have went and got her own gun. Yeah. You know, she was terrified of guns. You know, she would have asked her dad for one, you know? And this is my husband's only child. You know, so it's messed him up big time. Oh, yeah, I love it. And it's it's just the worst thing. I wouldn't wish this even on an independent detective. It's horrible to live like this. But I do feel like it's going to be a good year, and I'm hoping it does go that way. Yeah, I Um, do. So, is there anything else I did? Um, Ban up with Tanya Brown, Nicole Brown Simpson's sister for domestic violence, so we're trying to get it to go more national. There was a news story on the Discovery Channel and with Kate Snow, and it's called The Story of Corey Lakovich. That's worth a watch for you guys to watch about Independence Police. And the detective that is on there, Detective Roach, me and Cindy both have him, and Sergeant Rager, we both have him, too. And they're both on that show. What did you say it was called? It's it's called Relentless with Kate Snow. But that, that, um, that exact show, that, that story was called, like, Corey Lakovich. It had Corey Lakovich in it. Okay. It said, like, justice for Corey or something. That truly really is worth a watch because that shows you how these cops are. And then you'll you'll get a kick out of it a couple occasions. Um, you, you'll just be shaking your head through some of it. And then, um, then Detective Rhodes, he said he would do an interview with one lady, and he's now backed out of that with one of the channels. He's backed out of it now. So, and then they cry that they didn't get a chance to speak. Well, you know as well as me, they have to go through both parties to get both sides. Mm-hmm. And they have to also let their lawyers see everything they're going to air 
you know, so they don't get lawsuits by family members and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just ridiculous, you know. And Emily, like I said, Emily and me were both warned about getting retaliated on. So, I just want to keep getting the word out there. I want it spread. I have the Justice by Angie Sherwood webpage up on Facebook. It had hit over a thousand, and then, you know, after a couple of years, it drifted down to like 400. But I just, I'm really wanting to get the word out there because you never know around here specifically if your loved one does get killed. I want them to be aware. You keep that body there so what you want to it is done. Mm-hmm. And don't think, I was brought up to respect the police. You go to them for help. I have zero respect for this police department. I've had other officers here in Blue Springs tell me, good job, keep fighting. I've had officers in Iowa, Florida, New York, all of them tell me that have seen the pictures, keep fighting. She did not kill herself. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, we're just trying to get the gun. So my ballistics guy to make sure that was the gun that was even used. But he did send, Don did send a couple guns to his family in Florida from the nursing home. And so I honestly believe they gave it back to Don. I don't believe that they have the gun. And with how everything else is, I'd be surprised they still have it. Right. But truly, check out that story, because that's the mom that they, they did the story on her son. That mom, she's the one that started this group called Corey's Network. Mm-hmm. I haven't been back since the police are that were there that night, just because, I mean, I can change out cars or whatever. But I don't want them to know where I'm at. You know, I don't trust them. They're so sneaky. I wouldn't put it past them to put something in my car and end up with like a drug-related charge or something. Yeah. I don't trust them at all. I don't don't blame you, to be honest. And what's your Facebook? Right. It's justice for Angie Schroer. so everybody can go and follow that and stay updated and hopefully... Right, that would be wonderful. And maybe one person will hear it that can help even further. You know, I appreciate everybody that will help get the word out there. And I really, truly do thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this. No problem at all. So... We really hope you guys get justice and get this police department taken care of. It's a mess. Yes, I do too.